chapter 7, verse 21. We're going to be looking at verses 21 through 29. Lydia's not here this morning, so I'll say something about her. When I told her I was preaching these, this amount of verses, she said, oh goodness, can you not just break it up into half, okay? But these verses kind of really go together, and so Lydia was trying to help us out this morning, uh, but unfortunately, uh, I feel like the, all this group uh, needs to be together. But we're going to look this morning, just kind of, I have this, this titled, um, it, it, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue, okay? And so as we look at this, God is, uh, through the uh, Sermon on the Mount and Jesus speaking, he's going to zero in on, he's going to put the target on our heart, okay? And it's a heart issue. And so that's what it really, to me, when it, we, we kind of wrap in this sermon series up, is that we're going to be in a situation where Jesus is really just going to kind of zero in and finish up what he's really been talking about over these last couple chapters, five, six, and now seven. These three chapters, as he's been addressing the issue of what all the Pharisees have been doing, all the religious leaders have been doing, and Jesus is saying there's a lot of awesome, there, there's a lot of surface things that look good on the outside, but internally in the heart, they're wicked and they're ungodly. And that's what he's really been focusing on through these chapters. And so when he finishes it up here in verse 21, I want to read through it and then we'll kind of talk about some points here about it. It says, now every, not everyone who says to me, it's a very, on, and both of these passages of scripture, like as far as these, uh, these uh, uh, paragraphs, are really famous passages of scriptures that we're going to be reading. And I want you to, even though you've heard it many times before, please let's zero in on what God is really trying to show to us, show us this morning in our lives. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And he says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house. And it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But whoever, uh, but uh, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Before we read verse 28 and, and 29, I want us to look at this, this passage of Scripture, like I said, and understand that he is talking about it's a heart issue. It's the issue of the heart. Whenever I was looking at this passage of Scripture, too, it all, of course it reminds me of the last part it reminds me of the song that we used to sing in children's church i'm going to ask uh so and so, i'm just joking i was going to call a couple of people up maybe we could have done the song for y'all uh the wise man built his house upon the rock and you know you do all the motions and of course the the foolish man built his house upon the sand doing all the motions and the rains came tumbling down and then of course they went splat okay or it went flat i can't remember what the name of it but anyway uh, it was it was a fun song that we would sing growing up in children's church or whatever and uh you know it there's so much significance and there's so much meaning to what the Lord is talking about when he's saying that it has to be built upon the rock. It has to be built upon the word of God. It has to be built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. 
okay? If not, if that foundation is not secure, if it's not firm, it's going to be on a shaky foundation, it's going to be on a faulty foundation, it's not going to stand, especially when the storms of life come against you. But even more specifically, uh, the Lord's not just talking about the storms of life, He's talking about even judgment upon us. When God looks at us and examines us on the day that we stand before the Lord and He says people will come to me and say to me in that day, in that, in that great day that we'll stand before him and people will say, Lord, and they have a case to give to the Lord of saying, I've done this, this, and this. And the Lord says, unfortunately, I never knew you. And then he's going to say to, to us, you know, it's, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the foundation. It's a matter of, you know, what have, you know, what is your reason? Why I can let you into my kingdom and it, what, what is the heart issue here? And so when we look at that, I want us to see the first thing in verse 21. He says, it's about the will of my Father in heaven. And so that's really what it boils down to. It's about a relationship with the Lord. Are you obeying the Lord? Do you know what the Lord's will is in your life? Do you know what the Lord's will? And, and so I've said this many times because uh, it's, it's really a matter of who is in control of your life, who is calling the shots in your life. You know, as we grow old and as we grow up and as we start to understand not only right from wrong, but obeying God's law and obeying who God is and versus doing our own thing and going our own way, we have it internally built inside of us to go and do the things that we want to do. You know, if we, again, took a little, took a little trip and we walked down to the nursery this morning or we got to the younger children's church class, and we have the same toy right there in front of that child, and we put it there, or you know, the same exact two toys right in front of these kids. They're going to want not only the one that they have right there in front of them, but they're also going to want the toy that goes to that other person. Okay? It's just how they are. It's just how we are. Uh, that's how our nature is. And so we not only want what, what we think what we want, but also what the person next to us has, okay? We want what we want because that's what we want, okay? And so he tells us here, he says, listen, in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but the person who really will enter the kingdom of heaven, it says, is going to be the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And so it, it reminds me again of John uh, of John's gospel when John's talking about Nicodemus, right? When he's talking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus is saying, how can a, a person be born again? How can they really experience eternal life? And Jesus tells, tells uh, Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he says, in, in order for a person to really have a relationship with the Lord, he must be born again. Nicodemus could not understand it. He was talking on an earthly situation, uh, earthly circumstances to say, Lord, how can a person enter a second time into his mother's womb. He could not grasp it. He could not understand it because he was thinking earthly. He was thinking of what he can see, touch, feel, and understand. His, our minds are so limited to what we know and have experienced, right? But God, when he's speaking, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, a man, a person, a uh, man, woman, boy, and girl, the only way that they can have a relationship with God is that they must be born again. Just as they were born the first time physically, now they must be born a second time spiritually. They could not understand 
Nicodemus could not understand. He could not get his mind wrapped around it. But Jesus was talking spiritually. Jesus was talking heavenly. And he says, once you have, just as we have been born again, uh, born physically, he's saying a person makes that decision, opens up themselves to the Lord and sees themselves of how God sees us as sinners, people who have broken God's law, people who have gone their own way, have done their own things, and yet we have turned and seen what Jesus Christ has done and we have turned our hearts and lives to him. He says, when we do that and go and we do the will of the Father in heaven, he goes, that's when that person will be born again. That's what John that's what John's gospel tells us, that Jesus' conversation between him and Nicodemus. And so the same thing here in verse 21, as we look at it, it really boils down to the relationship that we have with God. What kind of relationship? Are we, are we living in our own will, or has our will ever really been broken? Have we ever sacrificed not what I want to do, but now I am putting down what I want to do, and I am asking, that, uh, asking God to come into my life so that I can do what He wants to do in my life. That is salvation. That's what we're really talking about. It's no longer me calling the shots in my life, but now I'm saying, Lord, you are the, ones that, you are the one that calls the shots in my life. That is the major decision. That's what Jesus brings it to as far as brings it to a head here is that He's saying it is important for us to understand do we have a relationship with God? Have we ever trusted Him with our life? That is the major decision. That is the, the life decision for us, not only today, but for us just in our life in general. Has there ever been a time where we have given ourselves to the Lord? Now, thankfully, you know, a lot of times that people will talk about there, it's a long process for a salvation. Absolutely. But there is a moment in time where salvation happens. In our life, Jesus compared it to going back to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Jesus compared it to childbirth, Jesus compared it to us being born physically. There was a time, there was a date. Uh, my birthday is coming up this month. Robert, uh, Rob, write this down June 15th. Don't forget to uh, send me my happy birthday, which he, which he normally does. He would just basically state. It is your birthday today. But June 15th, I'll be celebrating that all this month, uh, just in case you're wondering. Lisa already knows this. But there was a time. There was June 15th, 1980. And, uh, whew, going to be 43 years old this year. And, but there was a time, there was a specific time that I can go back to and show you, because I have a birth certificate, I have my parents, I have the age that you see me as, of proof that I was born on that day. And it's important for us to understand when we're looking at, you know, what kind of relationship do I have with God? Has there ever been a starting point in that relationship that I say that I've had with the Lord? Has there ever been a time in my life where I have given up my will and said, Lord, your will, not my will, in my life? Have I freely given him my life? to do what he wants to do, for him to take over the throne of my heart, for him to be able to start calling the shots. And that is the first thing as we look this morning. It's about a relationship. It's about God's will over my will. Am I obeying him? I, am I starting to look like my heavenly father? 
And that's what he talks about here. He says, this is the situation. The ones that are going to actually enter into heaven is going to be the ones that actually do my will. The will of the Father, no longer my will, but your will. And so this right here is very key, very important, because I remember this dealing with one of my children as far as salvation. And, and there was two things that fascinated uh, uh, my child at that time whenever they were dealing with a salvation uh, issue. And me and Lisa, as we're talking um, uh, to, to our child at that time, and, and we're dealing with things and listening as the child is talking to us, and it was about wanting to go to heaven when they die. That was great. That's a great situation, wanting to go to heaven when you die. Great. I hope we all want to go to heaven when we die. And then the next thing was the fascination of being baptized. My friends are getting baptized. It looks really cool. I want to be baptized. Okay? And so those two things are great. Those two things have its meaning and have its importance. But it really boils down to those things are great. But those things go to someone who has a relationship with the Lord. Those things go, the Lord says, the ones that are come with me is the ones that are of my family, of my house. When you talk about my home, I'm very thankful for my home. The Lord has blessed us, uh, and I'm just using this as an example. Uh, but the Lord has really blessed us uh, with, with a nice home, and I'm very thankful for it. Uh, but my kids get to enjoy that house uh, because they have a relationship with me, right? They don't just get to go over to Mr. Craig because he has a nicer house and get to go enjoy all of his blessings and all of those things in, in that house because he doesn't have the same kind of relationship with them. And if you're just wanting to come over to my house uh, because of the nice things but have no relationship, it's kind of a foreign, weird situation, right? And so Jesus says, listen, as far as me and my house, I'm going to prepare a place for you, uh, for the people that have a relationship with me. So that's why it's very important, very key for us to understand that's what it really boils down to. And he says, listen, whenever you have that relationship with me, I'm going to, you're going to be with me whenever you die. So being with the Lord in heaven after, after salvation is a great thing. And then following him in believer's baptism, once a person trusts the Lord, the baptism is really showing the death, burial, and resurrection of why I could even enter into a relationship with the Lord is because is what he's done for me on the cross. And it's identifying of what he has, how he's been buried, it was, it rose again on that third day. And I am doing the same thing of showing the death, burial, and resurrection in my life of how I've been raised again because of the in newness of life, because of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he was raised uh, from the dead. And so it's an important thing, but it really boils down to, and I think we've brought this home, a relationship with the Lord. Let's continue on and read. And he says in verse 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we, not ca have we cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders, wonders in your name. And then I will declare to, declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And he, said, he says, listen, you are a lawbreaker. That's the second point is understanding. Listen, it's about the will of the Father. It's, a, it's a really a, about, you know, who we are, 
uh, uh, really as far as who we are and who God is. And he says, listen, the situation is, and Jesus really made this point throughout all of chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, is that the lawbreakers, the people who may have even looked good on the outside, but really internally they were evil. They were ungodly. They were doing it as a show. They were not doing it. Jesus understood the heart of the matter, can see the heart, and knew what their real motive and their real intentions were. And he says, listen, even though you've done all of these great things in your name, when we talk about signing up for this and we talk about signing up for that and we talk about maybe giving and maybe, maybe just being just a nice person, just having a smile on your face, and that goes a long way, right? Doing all of those things. I'm telling you, I was telling my kids this week, uh, when it comes to the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, all of these Jewish religious people that we talk about in the Bible. And when Jesus was talking to them and really addressing them and calling them like he was, he was telling, uh, you know, really speaking just directly against them. The reason is, is because, listen, those people were doing, we, we wouldn't line up with them. We, if, if you compare those people who Jesus is talking about to me and what I do in my everyday life, they would outshine me 100%. You know, I have a buddy from work. He's real. He's he's really uh, really athletic. He's really in the in the conditioning uh, and and all of these different things. And last week he did a two day fast. Uh, he wasn't doing it for spiritual reasons. He was doing it for health reasons. Okay. And when he did that, he was talking to me about all those different things. And I was joking with him, and I was telling him, man, I said, man, you're like a really good Pharisee. A Pharisee would uh, would fast twice a week, you know. And we were just kind of talking about those things, like the Pharisees would outshine us in what we've done and not done. When the, when, whenever we were talking about you know, signing up for, v, uh, for, for Kids Week, they would have signed up, and they would be the ones that not only signed up for this time, but they would also be uh, signed up to go to youth camp, to go to preteen camp, to go to the, uh, little girls camp. Uh, you know, they, would, they would have done it all. And, but Jesus understood as he's addressing them that their whole reasoning for doing that is for man's praise and in how it may be made them feel but it wasn't in a relationship status to please God and he says there's gonna be many in that day talking about the final judgment he says that have in 22 and 23 he says listen because they don't have that relationship with me and they're doing all of these things because they think things are going to make the difference, it's going to tip the scale that I've done more good things than bad things, or that, hey, you know, not only have I done good things, but I've done it in Jesus' name. Like, there's so much, there's so many things that are just rubbing shoulders of, or being around the right things, and he, that's what they're telling, him, telling uh, Jesus in, this, in these verses, that Jesus is using this example in verse 22 and 23. He says, many will say to me, he says, Lord, Lord, have we not done all of these things in your name? And Jesus is saying, listen, you were a lawbreaker. And he says, you practiced lawlessness. You were doing all of these things for your own good, but not really for the good of the Father. He could see through all of the surface issues and know directly what the heart 
where, where it was at. He knew that they were outsiders. They were pretenders. They were really not part of his family. And so just because you see a lot of things that are being done, and, and you got to understand why they're being done. you got to know to the root of the matter, but not necessarily in other people, but why are we doing those things? Is it really to glorify God? Is God really leading us to do these things? Or we're doing it for our pleasure, or we're doing it for the pleasure of the seeking man's approval, and, and for man to say good job, or are we really doing it sincerely for God to do it? And let me tell you something, there's nothing wrong with people saying good job and people seeing our works and our hands and our feet at work for the Lord. But you know, and more importantly, God knows why you are really doing those things. Because as a Christian, when we're really doing what God wants us to do and our hands and our feet are at work for the Lord, and the Lord is calling us to do those things. The Lord's, the Lord's telling us that those things are going to prosper. Those things are really going to be moving forward. And yes, we will get praise from men, but that's great. That's fine. That's good. But the more important thing is we'll get praise from the Father. We'll get praise from Him. Because we're doing His will. We're doing what He wants us to do. Let's continue on uh, this morning. And in verse 24, he continues on. He just says, he, he says, uh, gives us this great example of how it is to be a wise person. How it is to really be wise when we are obeying God and we're listening to Him and doing His will. He says, I mean, He's telling us here, He's going to give us this great example. Because of that being said, when you look at that word, therefore, in verse 24, He says, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and He actually does them, if you hear in the sayings that I'm, that I'm saying to you, and he's wrapping all of these three chapters up here, and he says, whoever does these sayings of mine and understands it's about the heart of the matter, he says that, and you actually do them, I will, it likens unto him. It's a great example of this wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, many people confuse it when they talk about the rock. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, listen, on this rock, he's actually talking to Peter here and the rest of the disciples. So people many times will say that he's talking about the church was built on Peter. Because Peter's, Simon Peter's name actually means rock. Peter means rock. Okay, And so a lot of times people will say that Peter, the church was built upon him and so on after him. Okay, But the Lord's talking about it was built upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, and he's talking about, and you can look in the real terminology of this, of the name Peter and the actual uh, meaning of his name, Rock, because, you know, there's different meanings in the Bible of these, of these terms. And he's talking about the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ when he's talking about that. He's saying, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. And he goes, so he's telling them here, he says that when you built your house on the rock is as a wise man. And so what is that rock? What is that foundation that it is built upon? It should be built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be reminded of why. Jesus was prophesied that he was going to come and that he was going to be the king of his people. He was going to be that Messiah for the Jewish people. 
what the Jewish people really didn't understand, even though it had been prophesied years before, is that Jesus was not only going to be that savior to the Jewish people, but he was going to be a savior to the entire world. And so Matthew, whenever he's writing this, is really writing to the Jewish people about Jesus being king. Being that king, being that ruler that they had anticipated for years. The one that was going to take David's throne. And he's saying that here, he's saying that, listen, Jesus is the one that we build our life upon because he is the king. He is the Messiah that had been prophesied for all those years. He came, he lived a sinless life. He fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecies. The things of the one that was going to uh, really take our punishment and take our shame for us as, as it had been given as an example in the Old Testament of bringing your, your animal, your sinless, innocent animal to come and be slain for you because of your sins. But you had to keep doing it and keep bringing an animal each and every time uh, uh, to sacrifice as you would come and worship. Uh, but one was going to come and take away the sins of the world. He was going to come and take away not only the sin that you have committed today, not only the sin that you have done yesterday, but also the sin that you will do. He was going to wrap that up and take that for us on the cross. And so the old song says, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. But yes, I was on his mind. He took away that, but it was also my sin that nailed him to the cross. And he took all of that. He took our punishment. He also took our hell for us. He took those things for us. He was on the cross, as the Bible describes, and especially in that time, that that was, a, that was not a proud thing to do is for a person to be on the cross. That was a very shameful thing to do. He took our shame on the cross and he did that for us. He took away the sins of us and the people that, that would trust in him, the sins of the world. He took that for us. He was buried and rose again on the third day, the Bible tells us. And because of that, he made a way for us, bridged that gap. He made a way for us now to have a relationship with the Lord. And the only way that we can have a relationship with the Lord is trusting the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he's done for us and allow him to rule and to reign in our life, to really be king, to be master, to be ruler, as Matthew was trying to get across to these Jewish believers, these Jewish people, I should say, and he's trying to tell them, your foundation needs to be built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 25, and the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall and it was founded on the rock. Now let me say this real quick. Because really this is a salvation message. And if you feel like you have a relationship with the Lord, then this really should be a time of rejuvenation. It should really be a time of self-examination in your life as far as what am I doing and not doing and am I really accomplishing the will of the Lord. And if you've never trusted the Lord as your Savior this morning, it's a time for you to say, today's the day. Like, what is holding me back? What, is, what, what, am, I, uh, what am I holding on to that I've really not just given to the Lord. And so it's a time for you to examine and see if there's ever really been a time in your life when you have trusted the Lord. But also in verse 25, I want us to say this. In both examples, and we'll get to the second example in a little bit, when it talks about the foundation that's on the, that's on the rock and the foundation that's on the sand, 
no matter what, if we're going to be real practical today as far as our everyday life, when we walk out these doors, and really it doesn't even start then, it's even right now, but when we walk out these doors, the storms of life are going to happen. You understand that? The storms of life are going to happen. And not only the people who are the just, the people who are righteous, the people who are found in the Lord, but also on the unjust. It doesn't matter. The Bible says it rains on both, okay? It rains on both. And so the storms are going to come in your life. And sometimes, listen, there's people that have had, I would say, major storms in their life. Major storms in their life. Where maybe they've lost a loved one, or maybe, you know, that they've lost, you know, say a spouse, maybe a child, uh, you know, maybe a parent at a young age, you know, just different things. We've experienced a lot of different things. Or, or maybe it's, it's hardship financially, or maybe it's, maybe it's a sickness or disease. Maybe it's, you know, no telling what are the things that you and I, this world that we have experienced. But the thing is, the Bible's telling us that life is going to hit us. The rain descended in 25. The floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And before we get into, you know, what happened with that house, understand, again, the winds are going to come. The rain is going to come. Those hardships are going to come against us in our life. And you can't compare it to your neighbor. Again, we had an opportunity this past week, just knowing that I was going to be preaching this, we, uh, you know, some things really came to, came to light for me is that, you know, Lisa said to one of our children, you know, what is that rain in your life? What is that hardship in your life? Because for a seventh grader, for an eighth grader, the hardship is a little different than a 43-year-old. But it's hardship. It's things that are real in our life. You know, it's the same thing for churches. You, people, you hear people all the time hearing about excuses. You know, if we, go to, if we went to Honduras this morning and we were there in church, you say, you know what, we're in a third world country. These people don't have very much, you know, all these different things. And then, you know, and there's, you know, say, you know, the gospel really hasn't been reached and taught in this area. And you can have excuses of why you can't reach people. And then you come to the Quincy and you just say, you know what, there's a church on every corner. And then there's probably two churches on the same corner, right, on the same block. And everybody's been church. Everybody's been to church. Everybody's heard the gospel. Everybody thinks they know all these things about Christ. It's very difficult to reach people in this area. Everybody has their own excuses. Everybody has their own reasons why, uh, you know, maybe the gospel is being spread or not being spread. We all have our own things that we deal with, and that's what he's talking about here. No matter what, life is going to come at us. But everyone in verse, uh, it says, but it says, listen, when these things happen, it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. It was founded on the rock. He said, the only reason that it stood its test. It's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because listen, let me tell you something. Even of us being founded in the Lord doesn't mean we're not human. Meaning even if I have a relationship with the Lord and, hope, you know, and, and I have a relationship with the Lord and when, when sometimes when life just really hits you in the face and, and, and you know, kicks you on the backside you know, and, and life really gets difficult and gets hard, 
us as people, we're going to fall. We're, our, our, maybe our demeanor, maybe just who we are, and we just think sometimes we have to really all together, have it all together. And really and truly, when we fall as a person, Garen, the person of Garen, whenever I fall because life is just really kicking me in the mouth, kicking me in the teeth, you know, what am I falling on? I'm falling on the foundation of the Lord. That's the only way that I'm going to stand up is because of who is really in charge of my life. Who am I really founded upon? And he continues on, he says, But everyone, in verse 26, who hears these sayings of mine and does not, does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell and great was its fall. Why? Because sometimes you're just, you're building, you're excited about building, you keep on building it up, everything looks good because surfacely everything looks fine. You know what? And we can add on here and we can do a little bit more here because it's still standing up. But when the winds come and the things start to happen, he says, because of so much was built on just an unsteady foundation, it doesn't matter how much you think you have it together. It doesn't, you know, and what are you building that foundation upon? If it's not upon the Lord, and maybe it's of yourself, and you say, you know what? I know maybe it's, you know, I can't do it on my own. That's why I really have a good spouse. That's why I really have uh, great children, and I'm, I'm investing in them. You know, or I'm, I'm, I'm investing in my job so I can provide for my family. What if those things go, to, go away? What if those things are not there and, and then your life is crushed and you don't have anything to lean on, but those things won't sustain you. Those things are limited on what they can give you in your satisfaction, especially when the storms of life come to you or against you. And when it's really built on the right foundation, and I name those other things that sometimes people will build their life upon, when it's really built on the right foundation, that foundation will allow me to really be the person, the co-worker, the neighbor, the husband, the spouse, the, 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 uh, the father that I need to be when it's in the right place, on the right foundation. Then I can be all of those things that I need to be if it's if it's built upon the right foundation, the Lord gives me what I need to be all of those things to all of those people. And when the world gets it backwards, is that they'll start building their life on those other things, and those things cannot sustain them. He says, the storms of life came, and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds built, uh, blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. That's where the song ended up saying, and the house upon the sand went splat. Great was its fall. And as we, and, and as we just kind of finish up, that was the wise person analogy on our last point here, a wise person analogy, that they were being the ones that were obedient. Those, those were the ones that were built upon the foundation of the Lord. I love how Jesus concludes this, and we'll conclude as well, because Jesus gets done speaking here, and Matthew kind of takes it and says how it kind of ended. And it was funny to me, I think, of how it ended, that Jesus kind of just almost just went on. I mean, he just... As we understand it today, in our modern, our modern analogies, 
He said what he needed to say and kind of dropped the mic and moved on. Matthew says, and it was, and, and so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teachings. And he taught them, he, and, and he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The scribes had authority to stand up and speak these truths. But Jesus had a heavenly authority to speak the truth. And when Jesus spoke, the people understood the difference between having man's authority and having God's authority. And so for us, when we're doing the things that, and our life is built upon the foundation of the Lord, and we're actually doing the will of the Father, let me tell you something, this world can sense it. The world can know the world knows the difference because it tells us here in chapter 8, and if we were to continue on, that the, there was a great multitude that started and continued to follow the Lord. They knew what was real and what was not real. They even had enough spiritual sense, I'm not calling them Christians, but they even had enough spiritual sense to see the difference of what the Pharisees were doing and how they were speaking and how the scribes were speaking, these religious leaders, to know that there was no true life in that. There was no, there was no, there was, there was no substance in it. But when Jesus spoke, he spoke with, uh, from a man who had having authority. And they knew that there was something deeper in what he said. And because of that, Jesus continues on. Then he sees people coming to him and asking him to do these different things to them because they know that he can do what he says he's going to do. If, you, if, you, if we were to continue, we're not, so relax. But in chapter 8, you see Jesus starts doing these great things to these people because they come to him and they're asking to be cleansed. They're asking the Lord to cleanse me from this leprosy that nobody else seems to be able to do anything. I love them in, in the next illustration... In, uh, in chapter 8, verse 5, that it gets into a situation where he talks about this man comes and he, has, uh, he, wants, he wants his son healed. And, and Jesus says, you know what, I, uh, you know, I'll go there. And he says, listen, I have, a, I have a lot of people that work for me, and I just send the word, and those people will do it because they know that my word carries authority. He says, all you have to do is speak the word, and I know that he'll be healed. And Jesus heals him, and he says... I, what kind of faith is that? Like these people started to respond to him because they knew that he was real, that he was true. And so for us today, I don't have, I've always failed to have a great invitation. And that's not my aim and that's not my goal today is to have a great invitation necessarily. But it's simply for you to be able to respond Definitely not to me or my words or how I've said it or not said it this morning. But in response to who Jesus is. To really respond to him and say, you know, am I doing what God wants me to do? Have I ever surrendered my life to him? Have I ever surrendered my will to his, to his will? And am I truly, am I doing things outwardly to please others or to please myself to make me maybe make me feel a little bit better for a moment or am I actually built upon 
the Word of God? Am I actually built upon the, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I really built upon His foundation? And that's a question for you. That's a question for us this morning. That's a question if you've never trusted the Lord this morning, I pray this morning as we pray and as I just kind of lead openly in a, in a prayer that you would pray. It's a personal thing for you to really look at the Lord, seek Him, and to trust Him with your life. And this morning, if you're a believer and you say, Garen, you know what, I, I hear your message. I'm very thankful for your, the message this morning, uh, you know, but I know that I have a relationship with the Lord. Are we truly, each and every day, when storms of life are coming against us, are we really trusting Him? Are we really, are we really leaning into Him? Are we constantly taking the reins in our, of our life that we have said we've given to the Lord? And are we doing what we want to do? Are we looking like the rest of the world? Are we acting like the rest of the world? Are we still being the selfish person that we said we will no longer be because we have given our life to the Lord? Are we doing the things that God is wanting us to do? Mainly, back to the first verse that we read this morning, are we really doing the will of our Father who is in heaven? I hope so. I hope this is a good time for us to examine our hearts and lives as believers this morning as we wrap up this chapter, after we wrapped up this sermon series. So let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you so much, Lord God, again for who you are. Lord, I thank you for your words. I thank you for your uh, message this morning. And in this, this series, as Brother Jake has poured so much time and effort into it, Lord God, as far as showing us these great examples that you were giving in these three chapters, of how you didn't want us to have this, just this eye service or this, or this thing seen by, by other people to say that we look good and these things are, are good things when internally they were not. And Lord God, as we have looked at these passages of Scripture this morning of understanding and seeing of what it really is to have a relationship with you, and I pray this right now, Lord God, for someone in this room maybe that have not trusted you with their life, have not given themselves to you, have not said, not my will, but your will be done. You tell us if we call upon the name of the Lord, if we call upon you, that we will be saved, that we no longer trust in our own abilities, but we now trust in you, of what you've done and what you're going to do uh, in our lives, Lord God. And I pray this morning, Lord God, that if there's someone that just needs to turn from ourselves, from our own wicked ways, and turn to you, Lord God, I pray that they would do that right now. That they would just call out to you, Lord God, in their own prayer time, in their own conversation with you, Lord God, just to be able to reach out to you, Lord God. You say if you, when we do this, Lord God, you hear us when we call and ask for you to come in our, our life and save us to be the Lord and Savior of our life. Lord, I pray for Christians this morning. I pray, Lord God, that we would be the people that you would want us to be. Lord, that we, just because we don't want to give eye service to men, sometimes we even don't do certain things, Lord God, but I pray we would be the hands and feet. I pray that our hearts would be 
uh, where you would want them to be, Lord God, that in our homes that we would be the, uh, the husbands, the wives, the, the, the children, Lord God, that we need to be in our homes, that as we are around so many people in our workspace, in our schools, uh, just our friends and our family, Lord God, that we would be the people that we need to be, Lord God. So when they see the storms of life that we are not immune to, Lord God, that when they see the storms of life coming against us and then they get to see the real us, I pray, Lord God, that they would see you. When others have no hope and others uh, are, are looking and, and, and striving for other things, Lord God, when the storms of life really come against us, Lord God, that again, that they could see who we really are, that we would, they would see the character of the Lord in our lives. Lord God, if that's not the case, Lord God, I pray that we would repent of those things, Lord God. We'd ask for your forgiveness, Lord, and that we would start to do the things that you would want us to do. In your will, Lord God, in, in your power, in your strength, Lord God, we can do those things. Again, we, Lord, we love you and we praise you, and we thank you so much, Lord God, for who you are, and thank you for allowing us to be in this place this morning. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And I want to say one